Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So we are continuing in Romans, the book or the letter to the Romans. And we are now at Romans 6. Romans 6. I'm very excited about Romans 6 because Romans 6 is awesome. Okay, last time we looked at how Paul compared and contrasted Adam and Jesus. We saw that they are the same and that Adam was a picture of Jesus that was to come. Okay. In 1 Corinthians, Paul even calls Jesus the second Adam. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45. It says, uh, the scriptures tell us, the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ. Christ. Is a life-giving spirit. The first man, Adam, was a living person, but Christ is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Amen. Amen. So there's there's some similarity between Adam and Christ. No? Adam was a picture of Jesus. Okay. I like, I like how he calls Jesus a life-giving spirit. Yeah. It shows us that Jesus and the Holy Spirit is one. No? And that he is a life-giving spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. The Holy Spirit that we are one with is a life-giving spirit, not a death-bringing spirit. Ne? God does not cause death, and He will never give you anything that leads to death. Do you, do you believe that? You can only expect good things from God. Amen? It is through the Holy Spirit in us that we can enjoy the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10 verse 10. Jesus says, The, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life, and life in abundance. There it is through the Spirit in us, this life-giving Spirit in us, that we can enjoy that abundant life. Okay? Yes. <clears throat> but Adam and Jesus are only the same in the sense that both of them radically and drastically changed the world through one action. Okay? That is the only way that they are the same. They are same in the sense that they, each one of them, did something that radically changed the world. Adam's one act of disobedience, we saw this in Romans 5, brought sin and death into the world. That was the first Adam, yeah. eh? the man of flesh. Mm -hmm. uh, the first Adam, his one act of disobedience brought sin and death into the world, where Jesus' one act of obedience to God brought righteousness and peace and eternal life. Eh? So, the effect of what they did was different, okay, was con contrary to each other, where, where the similarity is only in 
that they changed the world. Né? Okay, but Paul also shows how Adam and Jesus is not the same. I'll read the key verse to remind you of what that is in Romans 5 verse 16. It's easy to, to, to look at Romans 5 and see a lot of things that stands out to you and think, well, this is what Romans 5 is about. But I chose Romans 5 verse 16 and it says, And the result, the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. You see? For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with Him, right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, sure, even though you are guilty of many sins, you have been made right with God. That is amazing. For the sins of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, just, just as how terrible death is and the actions of Adam is, just how, how terrible that is, né? the magnitude of it, how big it is. Né? It says, even greater, even greater is God's wonderful grace. Huh? Even greater than that, anything that man could do is nothing in comparison to what God did. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. Triumph means total victory. Total victory. Like if you like boxing, it's like KO, knockout. There is no comparison. Okay? Even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Sure. Adam's one sin produced sin in all people. That in turn caused each person to commit individual acts of sin. Okay? We call this original sin. Okay? The sin that we all inherited from Adam. Okay, and that sin caused us to do bad things. Okay, that is why we are sinners to start off with. You understand? Adam's sin, sin spread to all of us. That is original sin. And that original sin that lives in, in the human being, that is what caused us to do individual acts of sin. Do you understand? Okay, but... Jesus not only dealt with original sin that infected the human race, but He also dealt with each individual act of sin. That's beautiful. Imagine a sandcastle on a beach. The sandcastle represents sin and death. Who who's ever went to the beach here? Ever. Have you ever gone in, in your life? Have you gone to the beach? Uh, so why eat? We need to take you to the beach. Okay, so you've all been at the beach, ne? Okay, I'm just joking. Waheed knows I'm joking. Okay, so imagine a sandcastle, ne? The sandcastle represents sin and death. Now imagine not just a wave, ne? A wave of the ocean now, ne? Don't just imagine a wave. Imagine the biggest wave you have ever seen. Where do you go swimming at? Gordon's Bay or Strand? Gordon's Bay. Gordon's Bay. Okay, that's close, isn't it? 
But uh, do they have waves there at Gordon's Bay? Not really, no. Okay. But you must come to Strand Beach. They've got sometimes big waves. So imagine the biggest wave. Imagine a tsunami. You know what a tsunami is? It's like the biggest wave you've ever seen. You don't want to be there when it comes. No? Imagine that wave coming over the sand and wiping that sand castle away. When it pulls back, the ocean pulls back and you see the sand again, there's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing left. You wouldn't even say there was a sand castle. No? That is the comparison. That is the comparison of Sin and death, and God's grace, His love, His power. Okay? <clears throat> that is the effect of what Jesus did through His cross and His resurrection. He defeated death. He defeated sin. Okay? And He made us complete victors. Hallelujah. Amen. In Romans 4, Paul emphasized the fact that we are saved uh, not by keeping the law, or, uh, by, well, sorry, we are saved not by keeping the law of Moses, but by faith. Ne? And as we just saw now, Paul emphasized as well how much greater and how overabundant God's grace is. Overabundant. Ne? He supplied more than enough. More than enough grace. Okay. Paul knew that some questions would come up. If we explain grace and if we explain salvation this way. So let's look at Romans 6. We are just going to look at Romans 6 verse 1 to 11. Okay. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. Um, Romans 6 verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Say, I was set free. I was set free. I was. What tense is that? Past, past tense, ne? You were. It is in the past. You are already free. Yes. Amen. Um, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know... We know we will also live with Him. We are sure of this, because Christ was raised from the dead, and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him. Wow. Death has no power over Jesus. Over God. When He died, 
verse 10. Romans 6 verse 10. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Amen. That is awesome. I love Romans 6. It is these verses that help me overcome a lot of things. <laughs> okay, so let's look at Romans 6 verse 1. We're going to work through from verse 1 to 11. Okay. It says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us much more Show us, sorry, so God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Should we keep on sinning? <coughs> this question usually comes to people's minds when they hear about God's grace. I have seen this personally. If you preach salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, ne? if you tell people all of their sins are forgiven, your past sins, your future sins, your current sins, all sin has been forgiven. They immediately become defensive. Have you ever encountered this? They will say, oh no, this message will lead people to sin. You are saying that we can sin all we want and we never have to ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> they fear that grace will lead to more sin. And that fear is rooted in performance mentality. We believe <clears throat> that we need to perform perfectly for God. To, so anything that sounds like, like it will lead to sin, we want to avoid. Ne? Or some will actually think that, yes, I can sin all I want. Because all sin is forgiven. If God's grace swallows up all my sin then let's just go out and live in sin. Let's live like the devil, man. What's wrong? That is a wrong understanding of grace, man. That's a wrong understanding of grace. Suppose I acted in ways that were loving towards my wife. I brought her flowers and I said, Honey, here are a dozen roses just to let you know how much I love you. Imagine I do that with Anthony, man. Would she say, get out of here, you jerk. I'm going to divorce you. Will she say that? Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> if I showed her expressions of love and kindness, absolutely not. No? She would respond in loving ways. Now, it works the same with us and God. The grace of God does not lead us to live sinful lives. No? It causes us to live lives pleasing to the one who has justified us and declared us righteous. We will live more holy under grace than we would ever live trying to live a holy life. Trying to work and earn it. Because many times we just try in our own strength to resist sin. That is not enough. That is not enough. It's not just 
enough to try and resist sin. Because where is the fuel? Where is the power with which you are doing it? If you do not focus on God's grace, if you do not look to Jesus, then there's going to be no power. It's not sustainable. Do you know what sustainable means? Sustainable energy? That can unknown, eh? It sustains itself. Eh? It is not sustainable to just fight sin in your own strength. We need Jesus. Both those persons miss the point. It depends on who you are talking to, to what the response will be. But grace gives us the power to overcome sin. Grace gives us the power to overcome sin. When we see what grace really is, how much God loves us, if we see the gift He has given us, that gift that He paid for so expensively with His own life on the cross, if we see that gift has no strings attached, and that it is a gift given from a heart of pure, unselfish love, expecting nothing back, our response will naturally be to love God back. That is a natural response. Eh? It would be to love God back, to thank Him, and to worship Him. In Romans 6 verse 2, Paul gives us the answer to that question. Shall we sin? Eh? Shall we sin? What's the answer? No. no. Eh? Romans 6 verse 2. <clears throat> of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Verse 3. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? Okay. Can you remember what the word baptism means? Yes, baptism. Doop, on the doop, yeah. Going under, yes. Um, um, to be immersed. Ne? Is Paul saying that you have to be baptized in water to, in order to join Christ in His death? Is that what Paul is saying here? Baptized with the Word. Baptized with the Word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not... Water baptism isn't necessary for salvation. Okay? It's not necessary for salvation. What about people that cannot be baptized in water before they die? Yeah? Yeah. There's one example, like the criminal that hanged next to Jesus on the cross. Mm -hmm. he, he, uh, Jesus, you can read about it in Luke 23, verse 39 to 30, 43. Luke 23, verse 39 to 43. I'm not going to go there. But this criminal confessed to believe in Jesus and Jesus said to that man that he would be with him in paradise and that man didn't have a chance to take communion get baptized go to church he didn't do anything no? he just believed Amen. so we need to remember that the word baptism here does not speak about water baptism let's look at the passion translation <coughs> Uh, the Passion Translation in verse 3, Romans 6 verse 3, says, Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed 
That's the word. That's what baptism means. Eh? All of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried. What do we know about the word co? Or the defuerfusel, the, the prefix co. It means together. Co mission. Remember when I spoke about that? It's the co-mission, the great co-mission, meaning we go mission together. Co-mission, it means together. Yeah, we, we have it again. We were co-buried with him. Buried together. Okay. Co-buried with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. That is the Passion Translation. I like how he puts it. He just takes away the word baptism there and he puts in the word immersion. Okay, so the picture of baptism is to be completely covered, placed inside, to be immersed. It talks about becoming one with Jesus. Okay, it talks about becoming one with Jesus, immersed. Romans 6 verse 4, for we died, Romans 6 verse 4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also uh, we will also be raised to life as he was. Sure, what a beautiful promise, eh? Yeah. We will also be raised to new life as he was. Paul is saying that we need to identify with Jesus. Okay, we need to identify with Jesus. When we come into union with him, into his death, into his burial, into his resurrection, sin is no longer your master. If you identify with Jesus, it is already true, but you need to identify with him. Eh? Uh -huh. But sin is no longer your master. When we believe the good news, we came into union with Jesus. Does that make sense? What does that mean, to, become in, to come into union with Jesus? Two beings become one new creature. We as human beings are three parts. Né? Body, soul and spirit. Né? When we got saved, God came and he took up permanent residence. Permanent residence in your spirit. Okay, You became one being with God. Think about this. You became one being with God. You are not just human. You are a new creation. That is what Corinthians talk about. No? Yeah. You have become a new creation. Many people take that and they say it's figuratively. It's just a picture. I think it's literal. Jeez. You have become one with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives in you. Yes. You are a new creation. Amen. You are now a human being that is one with God. That is different from the people who have not believed the gospel. Who have not become one with God. Think about it. 
John 17 verse 20, Jesus is speaking and he's praying to the Father in John 17 verse 20. And I think it's close to his, his crucifixion as well. John 17 verse 20. <clears throat> you are a new creature. That's amazing. Your past is gone. Uh, John 17 verse 20 says, I am praying not only for these disciples, for his disciples that he had there with him. Eh? I'm not only praying for these disciples, but also for all who would ever believe in me through their message. Who is he talking about there? Us. Us, yes, he's talking about us. All believers who will ever believe in my name. Or in me through their message. What is the message? The word, the word yes. The gospel. Eh? I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. Jesus is praying to the Father. Eh? To God. As you are in me, Father. And I am in you. And may they be in us. Wow. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. That's beautiful. We are in him and he is in us and we are one. Wow. That is why his death, that is why Jesus' death is our death. You know? His burial is our burial. His resurrection is our resurrection. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we are one being. Because we are one being with God. What happened to Him, happened to us. But for us, this death and resurrection is a spiritual death and resurrection. It is what happened when we were born again. We were made alive and given eternal life. But it makes it possible for us to also be physically resurrected as well after we die physically. Okay, the spirit, spiritual happens first, then the physical. Okay, but our unity with Him, that death and resurrection that He went through, is our spiritual death and resurrection that we also went through. Okay, that we become a part of when we believe, when we become one with Him. Do you understand why I say his, his resurrection is our resurrection. His death is our death. Why do I say that? Because we are one. Yes, we are one with Him. Amen. Romans 6 verse 6. Romans 6 verse 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. I love that. Sin loses its power in your life. Do you know that sin has lost its power in your life? Yes. Sin has no power over us. <laughs> we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, 
we know we will also live with him. Wow. Paul says our old sinful selves were crucified. King James Version says our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. The body of sin that Paul talks about <clears throat> is what we read about in Romans 5. Ne? Verse 12. Let's go Romans 5 verse 12. Can someone read it quickly for me? Romans 5 verse 12. You see how Paul is building on his previous chapters. Ne? Romans 5 verse 12. <clears throat> Yes, so that is the original sin that I was talking about earlier as well. It is the sin of Adam that all human beings have, okay? Yeah, yes. The sin that causes us to do individual acts of sin, <coughs> to make mistakes, okay? It is the original sin from Adam that made us all sinners in the first place. It is that original sin that caused us to do individual acts of sin. But now that original sin has been removed and replaced by the Spirit of God, this is a reality, ne? original sin, that what caused us to sin in the first place, it has been removed and replaced by the Spirit of God. Now there is nothing in you and me that forces us to sin. Wow. We still do actions of sin, but it is not because we are still sinners, okay? We, it is not because we still have original sin. It is, why? Who knows? Because we have not renewed our thinking. We have not renewed our minds. The way we think still needs to be changed in order to see change in our behavior. Do you understand? Does anyone have questions? I think it's quite clear. Eh? Yeah. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21. 2 <coughs> Corinthians 5 verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5 21 says... For he hath made him to be sin for us. This is talking about Jesus, ne? God has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He was perfect and he was holy, ne? Yes. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God imputed, impute, imputed our sin to Jesus okay to impute something is to ascribe or attribute it to someone on the cross our sin was imputed to Christ that is how Christ paid our sin debt to God he had no sin in himself but our sin was imputed given to Jesus so as he suffered, he took the just penalty that our sin deserves. Eh? At the same time, through faith, Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. So 
our sin was laid on Jesus Amen. and His righteousness, His holiness, His perfectness, His life is laid on us. Amen. That's the exchange. It makes me think of that church in Bontyville um, that it's called Beautiful Exchange. I think that is what they're getting at. It's an exchange that happens, okay? Our sin for Christ's righteousness. Sure. <clears throat> um, now we can stand before God sinless, just as Jesus is sinless. We are not righteous in ourselves, rather Christ's righteousness is applied to us. Jesus did not die for his own sin. He had no sin. Eh? He died for our sin. Therefore, his death was for us. Think about that. Jesus' death was for you. And all the benefits to be obtained through his death and resurrection is our benefits. So, God made him to be sin for us. That means that Jesus, although he was sinless, was treated as if he was not. Yeah. Although he remained holy, he was regarded as guilty of all the sin in the world. Through imputation of our sin to him, he became our substitute and the recipient of God's judgment against sin. Okay, so must I explain? Our sin was placed on him. He received that judgment that was should have been ours, no? That's it's simple. <clears throat> um, having saved those who believe, he is now our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Okay, so an exchange happened. Romans six verse six to seven says. Um, Romans six verse six to seven that we just read. Um, it says, our sinful selves, yes, Romans 6, verse 6 to 7. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Those are two awesome verses that we need to truly believe for ourselves. If you believe only one thing, if you take one thing away this morning, it must be this. That you are free of sin. You are free from sin. Say, I am free. I am free. I am free. I am free. Amen. Sin has lost its power over you. You are no longer a slave of sin. A slave does not have a choice. A slave has to do what his master said. Ne? Yes. But we are no longer slaves. Many Christians still live like they are slaves to sin. They believe they have no choice. When a temptation comes, they think they are powerless against it. <clears throat> they see it as something that is massive and powerful. And because they see it that way, they cannot overcome it. Mm. No? But is that the truth? Is that the truth for them? If you're a Christian, 
No, that's not how it is. Sin has zero power over you. You are free. These verses changed my life. I was struggling for many, many years since I was a child with addiction. These verses made me free. These verses made me free. The moment I realized that sin has no power over me, I have a choice. I have a choice. I can stand in victory. In fact, the victory has already been won by Jesus. I just had to believe it. Once I started believing this for myself, it's easy to think, this will work for that person, this will work for that person. We need to start applying the scripture to our own hearts. We need to see ourselves in this light. This is not the reality for uh, pastor so-and-so and for that holy man and this holy woman. You need to apply it for yourself. Believe it about yourself. Amen? Amen. Then you will see change. Romans 6 verse 9. Romans 6 verse 9 says, We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him. That is how awesome Jesus is. huh? Death has no power over Him. When He died, He died once to break the power of sin. But now that He lives, He lives for the glory of God. Amen. Through our union with Jesus, this is true about us as well. When we believe the gospel, the old man died. The power of sin was broken and now we too can live for the glory of God. Wow. To the degree that we think, believe and act like who we are in our spirit, To that degree, we will experience the life of Christ in our bodies and in our daily lives. Okay? To the degree that we think, believe and act, who we are in our spirit, Christ in me, me in Christ, we are one. To that degree, you will experience the life of Christ in your body and in your daily life. In the same way that Jesus died unto sin once, and now death has no more dominion over him, the person who recognizes one's death with Christ unto sin will also have, uh, will, sin will also not have rule over him or her anymore. No? If you are struggling with sin, it means you have not recognized that you are dead unto sin and alive unto God. Amen. Romans 6 verse 11. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. What is the key word in that verse? So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. What is the key word in that sentence? Consider, yes. Consider. If we read through Romans 6, if you look for it, you will notice certain words that have to do with our thinking. 
like the word consider and know. These are things we need to know, we need to believe. These are amazing truths that can change your life. But these truths need to become a part of how you think and what you believe about yourself. Not just something you hear and agree with on Sundays, but every day. When you face temptation, this is what your thoughts must be. I am dead to the power of sin. Meaning sin and temptation and wrong desires, they have no power over me. (laughs) They have no ownership of me. The devil doesn't own you anymore. You are now God's servant. His most treasured possession. Amen. We need to believe this. We need to see this. We need to visualize this. We are already free of sin. We just need to believe it. The victory has already been won by Jesus. Whatever you struggle with, the battle is already won. You don't have to fight anything. Just believe it to be true already. But look at the second part of that verse. Many times we stop at the first part. Let's look at that verse. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. We, always, we usually stop there. What is the second part? It says, and alive to God through Christ Jesus. We also need to consider or to reckon ourselves to be alive to God through Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means we start taking our focus off of our sin and mistakes and we put our focus on our union with Jesus. We renew our minds with who we are now in Christ. We remind ourselves of our righteousness in Christ, our holiness in Christ, our sonship in Christ, how forgiven we are because of Christ. It's not just about denying yourself. It's not just about resisting sin. You also need to go to the positive side of believing the truth about yourself. Who am I in Christ? We look at all the blessings we have in Christ. We consider what we are now thanks to Christ. Amen? We take all those wonderful truths and we believe them about ourselves. Amen. Find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca